everyone. Welcome to the Cosmic Matrix podcast. Uh, today we have a bit of a special podcast. And I'm here with Kelsey and we're going to be talk about talking about exploring the toxic feminine and the path of divine embodiment. So uh, this is going to be a big topic in a course that we're going to be offering. It's an online course, an eight week journey for women. We're going to lead them through their own basically feminine shadow, show them how to turn it into this true state of divine embodiment and how that manifests in our lives in a personal level and a collective level and what we can do to heal that wound. Because I think there's a big conversation around the toxic masculine and then you have people throw back, oh, what about the toxic feminine? And it's true, you know, it does take two to tango, but in order to do that, we also have to explore our own feminine natures, our own relationships with our mother, our own relationship with other women. And this is holds true for men and for women if we want to start transmuting that wound. Um, so Kelsey and I are just going to share how we did that personally and share a little bit about what this journey is like for women. So maybe we should just talk about how we met. Um, so I wrote an article about the toxic feminine. I don't know how long ago. It was like a few months ago. Definitely triggered a lot of people. I definitely didn't get as much flack as this other article I wrote about the sexy spiritual goddess and all the distortions around that kind of culture, but it def it hit, hit a nerve with people. And then I met Kelsey and interestingly, Kelsey wrote pretty much the same article in her own words, dealing with that energy. So maybe you can explain what that was like for you. I know it was kind of almost triggering for you because you were like, did she plagiarize me? But the fact of the matter is, is we were dealing with the same wound and we had so many of the same patterns in our lives. And the more that I talk to you, the more I'm like, wow, this is actually a bigger issue than just me. It happened to you. And also I see it with women I work with. So maybe mm -hmm. you could share a little bit about your piece and how um, what led you to write that article. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, it was quite a journey leading up to that article for me, um, being kind of roped into a cult that really inflated a lot of the Egyptian archetypes and kind of tied me into them through the process. Um, so I was kind of unraveling through this cult and through the teachings of a black magician at the time. And I wanted to go on a vision quest to really just um, clear the space. There was a lot of unraveling, a lot of women coming forward, sharing their own journeys through the abuse. And I felt a lot of um, resentment and anger. And there was an energetic connected to that that just didn't feel right in my own heart. And so I needed to clear out my own energy from that. And I went and uh, took a vision quest out on the Sunshine Coast. And during my meditation on top of this mountain called Gospel Rock, I was working through my solar plexus and just praying and all of a sudden through my mind's eye, I saw this really dark, seductive, sly, almost um, reptilian kind of sorceress um, rise up in front of me and she had this long snake-like tongue and she was literally trying to take my sexual energy and rope it into her um, agenda, so to speak. It was very manipulative, very dark, seductive energy. And I knew at that moment that as, as I was witnessing it, that it was part of my own shadow being revealed to me. Mm. 
and that this shadow was essentially playing out in my relationship with this organization. And so at that moment, I knew that I had to take more responsibility for how she was playing out in my life. And then I started to unravel and look at my entire uh, life as a whole picture and look at the different themes and ways that I fed into this energy. So that was kind of my initiation into recognizing this toxic energy in a bigger way. And so I started to unpack all the things and all the ways that I played into it and essentially wrote that article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I also dealt with a similar thing. Um, I guess it was two years ago now. It was the winter before I met Bernhard and um, a succubus. I was having repeated dreams of a succubus, a really dark, it sounds very similar to what you're describing. She was really dark. She was really seductive. And she was feeding off of my life force energy while I slept. And even sometimes when I woke up in the morning, she would be there in the room. Like she, she literally transferred over from dream space into real life. And, and then I realized too, cause I just went through a stint of, uh, going on Tinder and getting back into my own toxic relationship patterns, basically. She was also a manifestation of the parts of myself in my own past that I had yet to heal and had yet to look at. And I was trying to just push it away. It was like all love and light in my new age phase. I was very ungrounded, but I wasn't willing to look at these major traumas, you know, and they were basically running the show. And uh, essentially, you know, through my own wounding, they were also hijacking my own journey. Like I was still like, you know, getting off on like selling my image, posting tons of selfies. I was feeding off of that attention. I still had that energy in me and it was keeping me from being in a place of integrity as well. And that's kind of brings me into like these traits of this toxic feminine as well. Maybe we can just list some of them and how it manifests in our lives. Cause we have to consider the fact that the feminine has been, and I'm just talking about the feminine in both men and women has been oppressed for literally thousands of years. And this is as a, we're, we're, we live in the era of the mind where the mind basically created the world that we live in. This is completely out of tune with our bodies and our wisdom and our intuitive, our, our intuitive nature as well. And that's our true feminine nature. And so, you know, we, we have this idea of the feminine, which is based off of these, this oppression as well. Like, how can we use the feminine to serve this deeper, basically reptilian agenda, essentially. So I feel like the feminine, you know, hasn't been empowered for so long that we've basically lost what that means. So maybe you can describe a little bit about what the what the toxic feminine is and what the divine feminine is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first thing that comes to mind is the toxic feminine, she's always looking out for herself. It's essentially a service to self, very narcissistic um, qualities around, you know, taking selfies, you know, that whole agenda of um, placing herself on a pedestal so that others can look up to. Um, she's very much connected to lustful energies, provoking um, lust in her relationships, um, really feeding off attention, and she'll manipulate in many ways to gain that attention for herself. Um, the divine feminine will not be um, searching to feed herself in that way. It'll be about serving the whole and the entire collective and union together, um, not just for herself. Yeah. And the feminine too is like, 
the divine feminine is a source unto herself. She's a light unto herself. She doesn't need the approval or worship of others in order to, in order to gain her power. It's about power because she's connected to source, because she's connected to the divine, not power over other people. And I think mm-hmm. that's the whole point. As you see in popular culture, women are taught to basically compete against each other. It's like, it's, 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 it's a weird programming because they're competing basically for attention from men essentially, and they're competing against each other and taking each other down. That's one way that, um, you know, the matrix programming likes to keep women separate so that they're less powerful. It's like if you have just single individuals, and especially if they have self-worth issues, and especially if they're not connected to their own true power Mm -hmm. and true energetic center, especially in their lower dantan, in their womb, their creative power, then that's so easy to control them. And especially if you get people out of body which um, we want to get into is like the really end game is to get people so disconnected from their bodies, so out of body, then give opportunities for men to completely merge with machine and become AI. And like, I'm sure to listeners of this podcast doesn't sound too out there for people, but you know, the average matrix conditioned person, like they're so they've normalized it. You know, they wear their Apple watch everywhere. They have their smart grid around them. They're being so infected by EMFs and letting all the electronics around them make decisions for them. They're going to happily sign up for this because mm-hmm. they're, it's, it's a long range plan. And this also begins with like being disconnected from our bodies and, the main way to get someone disconnected from their body I've found in my own experience and working with people is to traumatize them. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what's happened to a lot of women. Like, I think maybe we can touch on this. Like I wasn't, I mean, it kind of makes sense in retrospect, but with my own history of having sexual abuse issues around abuse of power, you know, I had to unpack that, uh, basically on a, you know, thousand year level and look at like how I may have abused my own power in past lifetimes, which is obviously something that's hard to say to someone who's had sexual abuse. You know, you don't want to take the spiritual pill and be like, oh, it's your karma or whatever. But being able to look at it from this bigger picture perspective is because mm-hmm. if you really want to believe that there's more to life than this single lifetime that we're in, you know, then we also have to look at this bigger picture perspective and also honor our own free will and look at maybe at some point, you know, years ago, we agreed to this playing out as well. Um, and this is also, you know, we've kind of through our own traumas created this programming that we're a part of culturally, like women mm-hmm. are basically fed really or children rather, you know, we've uh, through this princess programming, her high school, uh, early teen experiences where you kind of create this group of like popular girls and they're all like, and they're, and they're cruel to each other. They're manipulative mm-hmm. and they're cruel and they're Machiavellian and they're looking to take each other down. It's all about being like the hottest girl, you know, and that's and, and this is what's normalized. Like, it's not a mystery. Like you look at any high school movie and this is what's what's being fed to us through the Matrix. And this is like how how just girls are like girls are bitchy. They're manipulative. They're they're meant to compete with each other. They're shallow, you know, like mm-hmm. they they. Uh, you need to save them or, you know, they'll, they're, um, they get take on this dark queen archetype as well. So maybe we can touch on these kind of archetypes. Like I know the dark queen, that's one I've heard that before, but maybe you can describe that a little bit. Cause that's a, that's an interesting one that kinds of en- ends up manifesting more in adulthood. Yeah. To me, the dark queen, it really, um, there's so many different energetics connected to it. And depending on the person, um, the way I've perceived it is that 
people will, um, or women specifically, will be feeling really upset, that angry rage. They want to dominate and rule over um, these men that essentially wounded them. Mm. So they'll take power over whether it's, you know, their daughters or sons or others in relationship. It's an unconscious mechanism that plays out under control. And so the Dark Queen wants control over everything. She wants control over how her relationships are going to play out and mm-hmm. she'll manipulate based on um, everything it takes to get that control. Yeah. And so essentially when the dark queen is playing out, it's coming from a place of anger I've found and holding a place of resentment. And so ultimately it's how can we as dark queens, when we embody that essence, release the anger in a healthy way. Yeah. And that's the missing piece is like, especially as women, we're taught to like be nice all the time and like be sweet. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's like a popular thing they program Mm -hmm. us with. But anger like is such an important healing bomb because underneath our anger is our pain. So we can't Mm -hmm. access our pain unless we're actually willing to feel the anger as well. And you know, if you're looking at planet Earth right now and all the natural disasters that are going to be popping up, like planet Earth is also a expression of the feminine and she's angry right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not about and and it's not about using that anger um, to seek revenge over anyone like the toxic feminism you see like. I know for myself, like I, I mean, I was raised by a self, self-claimed feminist and I saw her own wounds against my own father, you know, driving her, driving her feminism basically. So it's almost like, you know, I think we're working, we're working towards this, uh, healthier expression and more balanced expression of the feminine, but it's so distorted right now. And if you look at this feminism, it's all, it's supposed to be about women's empowerment. And I'm not saying that it all isn't about women's empowerment, but a lot of it is comes from what you just described, the dark queen, like seeking to revenge, seeking to control, seeking to take down the patriarchy, mm-hmm. not realizing that our own masculine and feminine natures need to be working harmoniously into, into creating that inner union and inner balance. So this programming starts like so young and it starts like even when we're um like it's it's really disturbing how normalized it's gotten like Disney and it's all its ties to pedophilia, you know, their whole MK Ultra mind programming, not only with the people who are Disney stars, but all of those Disney stars basically become agents for this agenda as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a bigger, there's a bigger thing going on by the people who run these, the entertainment industry behind the scenes where they're basically normalizing what is like an extremely pathological way of treating women and children. Like that's, that's a, that's a really big piece in this. And I, I know for myself, like I've even reached a deeper level of, healing I guess you could say in a way with this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing coming out and I'm sure people people who haven't heard about that who are listening he's basically you know he's a famous pedophile essentially and but he's involved with the Clintons and he's involved with these whole pedophilia rings of all these people in power and so he's in the news right now but it's almost like 
if he's in the news and getting exposed, then he did something to piss someone off because you don't that doesn't happen to you as a billionaire and with the kind of stuff that he's involved in. But I also heard something interesting the other day on a video of somebody giving the perspective that the reason that he's in the news, too, is because the more that you can get pedophilia in the news and normalize this word and get people talking about it, the more it actually also feeds into this grid and energy because people don't have the capacity to work with that kind of energy until they face it themselves. So most people are just going to get into trauma Mm -hmm. and fear from hearing about that. I know for myself, I was quite triggered. So there's a bigger kind of sexual programming in the media that's going, that's, that's happening too. And it leads into this basically ritualistic abuse. So maybe Mm -hmm. we can touch on that because that's a big topic because, you know, um, for myself, uh, what I can just maybe share a little bit, like I had, um, like a lifetime of basically sexual abuse, like covert and overt and obvious. And some of these people were very powerful people in the music industry. And um, in one of the ways I engaged with, I basically was forced to engage with him was through almost like a holographic, um, it was almost like a, um, a repeat of a ritual that happened in a previous lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like I was basically sacrificed, but through my friend group to this man in a position of power and it stole, it traumatized me. It stole my creative life force energy. And after that I couldn't write, you know, after that I couldn't really just be myself anymore. And so this ritualistic abuse is happening in more covert ways. So maybe we're not going to be around a pentagram and like calling to Satan, but it will happen through the situations we get ourselves in. So maybe you could touch about, I know you have some experiences with that. And then we could talk about how this ritualistic abuse is nothing new. It just happens in more covert ways. And this has been going on for basically thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when I was young, it was really fascinating because a part of kind of my awakening into playing out these manipulative agendas was through my dream time. I was seated these dreams um, of my father and I actually being lovers and um, it's been reoccurring, ongoing since I was six years old. And when I started to unpack that and look deeper within that, I began to unravel my father and I's past lives together where we were doing sex magic in ritual space and essentially tying our blood um, into these rituals. And so on a hyperdimensional level, these dreams were seeded into my reality in this lifetime to then awaken me to um, essentially the power that we created and wielded in that past timeline. Um, so that was something that was seeded. And that's kind of the birth of where I began to understand how to manipulate men by um, wearing, you know, more seductive outfits and playing a facade of beauty, or really using, um, you know, makeup at a very young age, 12 years old, mm. to um, make myself look and feel more appreciated and approved and just to um, play that up. But unpacking my experience with these black mat magicians as well in my past unfolding in that cult, there was also a lot of um, ritual abuse stemming back into remembrance of my timelines in Egypt, working in the temples, and again, uh, essentially feeding the priest the sexual energy or the emotional energy and using that essence to take over other people or other 
other consciousness. Um, so again, it was just this place of desire for power that really took over my own ability. I was power hungry. I got really roped in and beyond the ritual abuse, you know, something that's so covert and something that plays in this dark queen is literally the new age agenda too of the feminine rising as priestesses. Mm. And you see this all over, you know, the rise of the feminine and these priestesses are literally teaching sex magic rituals as a form of new age mastery over materialism and manifestation. And so you're plugging your sexual energy into the intention and then moving your sexual energy through your body to essentially manifest these um, material desires, which again is also a form of sex magic, which plays on those energetics of not just ritual abuse, but more so um, rituals in the past that used blood, that used um, sacrifices to gain that power. Exactly. And that's the magic word of this whole priestess trend that we have going on. Um, it's, and how did you, I'm not saying that there aren't priestesses, by the way, but I'm just want to propose the question, you know, how did people, how did women become priestesses in Egyptian times or even other ancient times is it was through a ritual where you were sacrificed. So if you were, you were considered, you know, for poor farm girl and one of the, you know, they wanted to use your, you as a young virgin in a ritual that was considered an honor, you know, mm -hmm. but in, or, but in order to become a priestess, you're also giving permission to whatever God that you're praying to, to enter through you at any point in time. And those are the contracts that we're going to be exploring as well is these contracts have been in place for thousands of years. And this is a very, I mean, I've worked, I've definitely worked with women who had this energy. I mean, this energy is so dark and so ancient and it's also very powerful, but not more powerful than the divine, but it's, it's big. Like, and, and so this is a, you know, this is something that is not easy to look at and not easy to be with, but it's also demanding that we really reach a new level of spiritual strength. It's not only becoming embodied, learning how to listen to the wisdom of our bodies, living in tune with nature again, which is quite the task these days considering the amount of you know electronic energy and emfs and 5g coming down but then also you know realizing you know the larger karmic agreements that we have in play that are keeping away from being truly sovereign so i can speak a little bit about that is like it was interesting before i even found out about any any of the stuff you're speaking about these ancient contracts i was subtly like not majorly but like triggered by when anyone called themselves a priestess you know it was like it was there was something for me to look at there and then what I was describing with the psychic that um Bernhard and I both went to go see and I was seen individually and she she basically walked me through what happened like thousands of lifetimes ago and she said you know like back in Egypt it was considered you were considered special to be sacrificed to these gods. And back then you basically made a contract with a, you know, draconian being. And that's, that was what would take over me when my trauma would be activated. So that's how I became aware of it through my own ability to distinguish between what's my true self and what's another energy. And this energy would literally had permission to enter me. So an aspect of trauma is you check out or disembody or you become hyper aroused, but a lot of people check out. And so, um, 
So anytime I checked out, this other being who I had a contract with thousands of lifetimes ago had permission to enter me. And this was like an extremely dark psychopathic energy and so different from who I truly was. That was a distinction. I think maybe in my more wounded year, especially my 20s with all the drug abuse and sexual abuse, I thought that the energy was me. I'd identified with it. But as I became more into my, I came more into my body, my true self, I was able to distinguish. I was like, wow, there's an extremely dark energy that's taken over me. And so at some point, I basically gave that energy permission to enter me. And so mm -hmm. I had to work with that. And so going along that timeline, you know, a lot of women who've made these contracts thousands of years ago have also become master witches. Like mm -hmm. I know for myself, like as soon as I was like practicing magic, like getting in my new age phase, I was like, wow, this is really working. And like, I was fascinated by it. And but it also wasn't giving me anything that had a true source of fulfillment. So I was like man manifesting. I wasn't using sex magic. I don't think I'm sure I played around with it though. Um, but I, I, I was, I was becoming aware of my spiritual power, but I was also using it in service to myself. And I think that's the kind of trend you see now. I blame Harry Potter, even though I also like <laughs> Harry Potter. But now you have all these women and it's very popular to like have your tarot cards and your crystals and make your altar or whatever. But they're not also understanding what they're getting themselves into. And an example of this is like uh, the psychic brought up, you know, she's like, you, you have these random accidents and misfortunes that happen in your life. And that's literally like a black magic spell that's come back around to you. And that like rang so true for me because I've had so many like disastrous karmic situations in my life. And this was a creation of my own doing coming back around, but it was so unconscious. It was also happened many lifetimes ago that I didn't remember. And so this is also the game you're playing. Like once you start playing with magic, you know, and it's in service to self, like, okay, you're entering into the magic war zone too. It's not about like, if you want to create, you know, if you're like, have your crystal grid out and like, I'm going to manifest a perfect career and perfect boyfriend or whatever it is you want, you know, that's a price to be paid. And who are you making that agreement with? And like, what is the price to it? That's, that's, and that's the question to be asked. It's like, yes, like, you know, like, I know it's not common matrix knowledge that you can like manifest things by making a crystal grid and praying and setting your intention, but also looking at the deeper energetics that play from an occult perspective and like, what are you agreeing to? Like, who are you calling in? And what is the price that you're going to pay for making those agreements? Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, these rituals that we did in the past, you know, all past future timelines arrive in this present day life. And it's all playing out in a grounded way in this, you know, world that we live in now. And so you see these rituals happening, you know, very obviously in the media, um, in these pedophilia rings, and, you know, with the elites. And then you also see it in the modern day new age movement with the rise of the priestess. And, you know, the way through um, all of that is to be humble and to let go of this thirst for power. You know, essentially, that divine feminine, she has everything she needs already. There's no thirst or no desire for anything outside of herself. She is already whole, already complete. And so, again, it's about moving away from this desire for something outside of ourselves and then turning within to heal that 
um, wound that is seeking outside to then just be full as is embodied in your being. And from that place, everything comes to you Mm -hmm. and there's no need to push. There's no need to do magic to receive these things. Literally the Lotus opens because you've done the work dove into the darkness and birthed that flower, birthed your own feminine true essence. And that's the work it takes going into our bodies as our bodies hold all that information and basically um, removing those contracts and taking back our sovereign power away from these black magicians and essentially taking our blood back because a lot of these rituals tied in our blood and that was our sacrifice. Mm. We offered our fire blood essence, which was the true creative force. You know, our blood is that which gives birth. Um, when we don't give birth, we bleed. So there's a huge correlation to that. And you see that, you know, with these um, sacrifices and rituals offering children as um, bloodshed because they hold that pure fire blood essence, that you know, closest thing to creation. And so that's why these children are being abducted. Um, in Norway, it's actually legal for child trafficking. So anyone that has children, it's actually through the state known that if you don't uh, follow in compliance to the law, you can have your child taken from you. Mm. And so this is something that is happening um, very obviously in our world today that symbolizes the same rituals that were happening in those ancient times. Exactly. And it's almost like it's become more covert. Like it's not like we're going to a temple and praying to Isis. And, 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 and well, I mean, they do sacrifice children still, but it's not like it's so obvious in these days, it's happening in more covert ways. And it's also happening through our own unconscious and through the patterns that play out in our lives. So, and that's also how, you know, I feel the toxic feminine has become, uh, she's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Sly. Yeah, sly, you know, like, because women has also have also been openly oppressed for so long. So she's had to become more kind of wily in her ways, you know, she can't be so obvious. So so that's, that's a piece to look at, like, you know, like when we see all these, you know, with the Me Too movement, I also felt very like when the Me Too movement came out, especially having like a history of sexual abuse, I was like, yes, finally, people are saying something about it. But then I also like I didn't really feel a huge call to like speak out about my piece because I was like, I've done so much work on this, you know, yes, there's always more like bigger stuff to go to. But I wasn't coming from that place of needing to be validated externally for what happened to me. I already had saw the bigger soul lesson at play. And that involved me looking at myself and my own wounds, like my own boundaries were so weak, you know, I didn't trust myself. I didn't know that I could say no, you know, so I think it's great that we've taught, you know, into the collective conversation, this idea of consent that definitely didn't exist when I was in high school. It's like, okay, if a guy wants to have sex with you, you just have to have sex with him. Like that was a kind of like attitude that was normalized along my like high school friends. Like if you just have to, like, it's just, if you put yourself in that situation, you know, so we have this like huge like shadow dance going on between the feminine and the masculine. And a lot of people talk about, you know, conscious relationships and conscious relating. But I feel personally, if we want to really transmute these energies within ourselves, we have to look at something that's been like a thousand year dance going on between us and like what, what it is, it, what is it, you know, what is it? 
in any person who's experienced sexual abuse, you know, yes, that's a terrible trauma, you know, to go through. But what is it in you that uh, energetically aligned with that situation as well? And that's a big question that triggers a lot of like new age people or just any social justice people, because it's asking you to, to also take responsibility for your part. And it's not about... um it's not about uh, like dismissing the trauma that happened because that's also the important piece is like, you know, this has taught me like through looking at my own wounds and my own wounded inner child and how that acted out, it's taught me so much compassion and I couldn't have gone through it without that compassion, you know, and unless I'm able to actually hold that with compassion in myself, how am I going to deal with that other people, you know, like it's mm -hmm. not possible. And that's been the journey to go on is like we've been... You know, I feel that the true template of who we are as humans has been hijacked for thousands of years. Like, that's how deep this goes. But I also believe that we're in this period of, like, deep awakening, and it's also an accelerated awakening. So all this stuff is going to come up at once. And from these places, like, the deepest wounds are actually where we birth our deepest powers. And, you know, our creative energy, our sexual centers, that's actually where the portal to the infinite. So of course, that's going to get hijacked. So maybe mm -hmm. you can also share a little bit about that, too, because I'm interested, you know, like your own like womb work and how that's such an uh, important piece in doing this work. And womb work also, yes, we're referring to work done with women, but this also is an energy center that exists in men. I just want to state that it's called your hara and it's also a very important space, like a couple inches below your lower belly button. Um, that's your, basically, it's like your creative center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our wombs are exactly that, are the creative portal to all existence. So every single thing that has happened in the history of man has been recorded and is held within our womb space as it's connected to the galactic center and all the information that is available as women, we can access that. And so when we build this relationship to our wombs, it becomes our internal oracle or our crystal ball or our inner guru. And our womb has a voice and she will guide us into these memories and can awaken and open up these tapestries of things that have been woven throughout time. And so when we can harness the voice and the power of our womb and use it in service to all humanity, we are offered these opportunities to see more. And essentially we are given more responsibility because we um, once healed the wounds of our womb, then have more power to access more information and guide women through the journey of uncovering their own wounds and traumas that are held in the center. And so the hijacking of the womb is essentially a huge targeted point and, you know, a big part of the trauma installment program is through rape and sexual abuse because they know that this is our creative force. And so, um, you know, again, using the womb to access the reasons why we're attracting this. Uh, I'm just kind of repeating what you're saying, but I want to really drive it home, you know, that that's the work of the womb is to literally go in to these ancient wounds to heal them. And then we awaken to the gifts that are truly there, the true creative force and the powers um, that are available to really harness the new energy that is coming forward that is already here and available to us, but it is through 
the embodiment of our womb and healing the portals of our womb. So there's different energetic centers within our feminine body. You know, our yoni lips are essentially the gateways into the kingdom of heaven within us. As women, we are the portals. And so when um, any men in particular, you know, penetrate us with their light or their lingam, if it's not in love, um, it's going to create damage and we're going to close down. Mm. And so when we're open and we're welcoming trust and, you know, we feel good in our surroundings, we, we open the gates and we welcome all of life. So there's a lot of distortions even around our yoni lips that need to be brought into heal into healing. And then you journey forward, you know, deeper into the womb and the cervix, for example, is like the major gateway. And when we're working in the womb, this is where a lot of these really dark shadows are held because it's through those shadows that we can then um, receive our initiations in and evolve beyond into more layers and more layers. So you know, my experience with following the womb work led me into meeting this black magician, which was my initiation into understanding how I had created these contracts and, um, you know, formed this powerful legacy in the past that I had to then unravel and face my wounds and my dark side that essentially gave birth to this new vibration that I carry now. Mm-hmm. And so when we do that deeper womb work, we're essentially led through those portals or gateways within us that then um, take us on a journey, which everything that is happening within us is also reflected on the outside. So that's the kind of journey of embodiment ultimately is healing what is within and then seeing that reflected on the outside world. And what was, I remember reading that because you and I have, it's interesting, it'll be interesting to compile all of our tools together because we've gone through our own healing journeys. We definitely take from different modalities. So for sure, this is going to be a very diverse program because I come from like a Tibetan, I studied Tibetan Buddhism. I also got really into Kundalini Yoga, which by the way, has its own distortions as well. But I kind of combine all these different tools and you came from this really deep womb, womb space. And I remember you saying something really profound it's like the gateway to the yoni lips is trust or what Mm -hmm. was the thing to open it yeah trust trust exactly and i have like i've worked with you know so many women who just don't trust themselves basically and so that's because and maybe that's even a a defense mechanism that's in place for a reason you know like they don't trust themselves because there's something you know in their sexual history where they've lost that trust as well exactly so it's looking at all those energetics of where has there been mistrust where has there been betrayal Mm. towards the feminine and the masculine where have we you know perpetrated towards the masculine and vice versa and really doing the work to heal um, all the energetics around trust and feeling welcomed to really show up in our fullness in life if we can't trust ourselves then you know, there's some there's some wounds there that need to be dealt with to really ground what we're here to do on this planet. Yeah. And so how like in, in the womb work, like how do women first like maybe just talk about that first gateway? Like how do they develop trust in themselves again? Or what did you use and what worked for you? So essentially, you know, building that relationship with my yoni and looking at um, past experiences 
that um, went away from that trust. So any experiences that I had with men where they, you know, force themselves inside me, mm. I had to really go back and look at that and feel the pain that I didn't allow myself to feel. And essentially, that's the work, you know, we have to feel the pain and this armor that we've put on um, before we can really sink into the truth. And so just communicating with my yoni lips, you know, letting the sun touch them, doing mirror gazing, just really meeting that part of my own body, because then it began to spoke to me and reveal more memories. Um, our bodies are like holograms or holographic um, mirrors, so to speak, and they hold all the information. So when we're in communion with our organs, they can actually speak to us and reveal the memories or reveal what they're holding. And so that was kind of um, one aspect of the work that I did. And this is something that we're going to go into more depth with in the course because mm -hmm. um, there's so many different ways and there's so many practices and ways that we can commune with our bodies that I'm really looking forward to share. Yeah, and that's the the key word is like developing this relationship with our bodies and every aspect of our bodies and not cutting ourselves off. And if you look at, I mean, if you open your eyes and you look at the world around us, we live in this culture of disembodiment. It's like, and with more and more technology coming down, these smart grids, it's like, it's all, it's not about listening to like the wisdom of your body anymore. It's like about listening to your phone and listening to Siri or whatever. You're just allowing basically the electronics to do your work for you. I know even for myself, like I travel a lot and I can't go anywhere without Google Maps now. So I also have to look at the ways that I've lost my own, you know, sense of space and time because of this reliance and over-reliance on technology you know, and even the way that we like so, so much of us are tuned out from our own intuitive wisdom, which is what also I, I'm not sure if the womb is connected with the gut or the intuition, but I Absolutely. feel like it's both, you know, yeah. like it's like a source of our gut and our intuition because if our womb is distorted, if we have other energies especially that aren't uh, in service to our, us, like leaching off of that space, then of course we're not going to trust ourselves because, you know, our center of our, our, our gut and our intuition is is not in alignment, you exactly. know? Exactly, and it's muddied by all these other energies and interferences. So when we're clear and we can start to peel back and kind of remove these um, interferences, then we can see clearer and then our crystal ball becomes... Um, easier to access in that sense. And we can literally tune into our bodies and say, which way am I meant to go? And then it'll guide us to exactly the place we need. All the answers are within us. So it's waking up our inner intuition through the power of connected embodiment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just wanted to touch on to another big issue. I know this is trademarked, the mother wound, straight TM after that. So this is a really important aspect of doing this women's work. I know for myself, I actually just came across this this year and I was like blown away and I'm still processing it now. Um, because I think for many women who've had like past experience of sexual abuse, it's very easy to like obviously hate on the person who was responsible for those experiences. Maybe it was linked to your your relationship with your father or an early sexual experience or whatever. So once you start doing self-work, you're going to see a larger pattern at play in the toxic relationships in your lives when you're, if you're in a relationship with men. 
but the the like elephant in the room i think is also looking at your mother and her patterns and ways of relating and how you pick those up unconsciously from your own mother and just through her own influence like you are a part of your mother until you get born into this world so you like exchange fluids with her in a deep way and so you know many of us <clears throat> have to do this deeper work at our relationship with our mothers. And it's almost a taboo uh, to question the mother at all. You know, like your mother sacrificed so much for you. She did so much for you. How could you, you know, how could you even say anything about her? And that's also preventing us from looking at how this feminine has been hijacked and distorted. Because basically, when we grow up, our parents are gods to us. So our mom is like really in the position of the ultimate god, because she's the, usually the one for most people, I'm not saying all, but like, who we rely on for like life to show us who we are. Ideally, in a perfect setup, our mother would reflect back our true self and essence. And in doing reflecting that back to us allows it to flourish. But instead, what I see happening with most women is through their own uh, mother's unhealed wounds, they end up picking up her own karma and traumas and patterns and perpetuating that in their own lives in maybe more covert ways. Or, you know, they could go to the other end of the spectrum. So maybe if her mom was a victim, they turn into a perpetrator. But it really ends up being this... um it's it's like this ancestral, this deeper ancestral pattern that needs to be healed by looking at like, you know, our relationship to our mother first, and then like our relationship of being a woman in general, our relationship being a mother as well, and being able to unpack that. Because what I see now, and I'm sure a lot of people have noticed this, but um, like, uh, under like, because we live in a left brain, like patriarchal world, women have needed to adjust and become more masculinized in order to succeed in this world because you need to be, I mean, just look at it. You need to be 40 days a week, five days, 40 hours a week, five hours, no wait, 40 hours a week. I don't even work a regular job. So, <laughs> so 40 hours a week, five hours, five days a week. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> we need to be on and no regard for how our bodies are feeling. No being like, oh, I want to check in with myself. You know, we're forced to push ourselves and go against that wisdom. And for many of our parents, especially this generation, you know, in order to succeed in the world, they basically had to adjust to this hyper masculinized world and that cut them off from their true feminine nature. And I think the distortion of feminism was almost like very much service to self because they really wanted to individuate and get away from, you know, like relying on men. But in that sense, they also lost their own connection to their own bodies and their own wisdom and really took away that nurturing aspect, I feel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it wasn't the way that we were raised, you know, we were raised in secluded families where the community, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I never had a, a big community when I was growing up. You know, my mom, you know, she had her daycare center great, but you know, now we're more so living individual lives. The tribe isn't raising the family. And so these women aren't connecting with other mothers and they're mm. not experiencing a support system. So part of what I think this course, just kind of bringing it back to that as this is coming up, is teaching women how to interact with each other again, to do the work because it takes a whole community to raise a child. And as we're reparenting and learning how to mother ourselves, essentially, by clearing out our mother's beliefs and, you know, projected 
wounds upon us, we can do it together and really teach ourselves how to mother in a good way, in a way that is honoring our true selves and not trying to take away or, you know, play um, into something that our mothers never received. Yeah. And that's kind of the key word is like, we're kind of like reparenting each other's inner child as well by doing that in community. And I see that like your circumstance is actually like the norm where like mother, like it's like the nuclear family. It's like, mm -hmm. you don't, even now I've noticed, like, I don't know how it was for you growing up, but like to knock on your neighbor's door and like ask for like butter, sugar, what is some normal staple, you know, is be like, who are you? Why are you here? Totally. Yeah. But like, I was actually lucky in a sense. This is like my saving grace because I've learned from just understanding trauma psychology and um, is that the less of a support system you have, the more likely the events are going to traumatize you. So, you know, somebody could even be have like some of the major traumas, like say they got sexually abused and they go tell, you know, somebody uh, who they trust and who's attuned to them. And then, you know, justice will ultimately be served to that person. But a lot of us didn't have anyone to talk to when these things happen. And that's what actually created the traumas is not only the event, you know, itself, but it's actually our response to the event and the community community response to the event as well. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we're all complicit in this game is because the community response really isn't there. Like if we really want to talk about like pedophilia and ritualistic abuse, like, okay, let's like talk about it. Let's talk about how we were all affected by it in our own lives in like subtle ways. You know, let's like, talk about how maybe we were covertly sexualized, you know, maybe even we weren't overtly sexually abused, but we were sexualized as young children. Like these are not easy dinner table topics to bring up, but if we really want to kind of also normalize this in the conversation, it's not about just blaming Jeffrey Epstein or Harvey Weinstein or whatever. It's about also looking how it showed up in our own lives, looking at the child that it wounded and in community reparenting each other's wounded child. And if that the support system that wasn't there when the original trauma happened is going to happen later in a community. And so that's what we're trying to intentionally build as well, because that's mm -hmm. like so important, I find. Um, and I know a lot of people, because we've been raised in this Western individualized world, they don't have their community. But that's essentially like, I think it's like uh, in Buddhism, like you need your uh, Sangha to follow the Dharma and the Buddha, which is basically your own Buddha nature. And Sangha is a community, meaning it's like one of the three jewels that you need in order to attain self-realization. And a lot of people I know, because of their traumas, they tend to like isolate or they think they're all alone. Maybe they're working in a job too much that's not really in alignment with themselves. So it's so hard to find their tribe wherever they are. So I think, you know, we're going to be moving into the age of Aquarius. We have to start building this virtually, you know, at least mm -hmm. having some space because like that's where it begins, you know, like we if we can't reach each other by flying to the same city, I know a lot of people, you know, they have families, they can't leave them. We have to start creating these spaces somewhere where we can all meet up so that we can start building this bigger container and field. And this is where the deepest group healing can happen. And yeah. maybe you can like share about like, I know you just had a women's group in Vancouver. Like, how is that? Like, what was what was the experience of doing that in person? And like, what was what's what is the power of the group process? I absolutely love doing group work in the flesh. You know, there's nothing more grounded than that, because you get 
um, you know, all these women gathering in their wombs literally on the earth where you're working. And so the power of the womb and the magnetic ground that we're holding and the shifting of that literally shifts the earth's grids as well. And of course, this can happen virtually as well as we're almost, um, you know, vibrating and every, all the information that we're doing is being seeded out into the fields of the unity grids. Um, but bringing it back to the group work, a lot of the women that showed up, they were wanting to be able to express themselves. They were afraid. Most of them were afraid to really show up and be vulnerable because it was something that they never experienced. So just holding the space for women to express and be heard in itself is some of the greatest healing. And just being able to bounce off different ways that we grew up and doing different enlightenment intensives to really meet and understand our own upbringings and connections to our family origins and the lineage of wounds that essentially we're carrying and unpacking them together because we all hold threads for one another. You know, we're all part of the whole in that organism soul. So again, it was beautiful to have the mirror work of reflections um, from each woman in the circle. And when one thing would come up, it would trigger a reaction or response in the other for another woman to go deeper into her wound that maybe couldn't have been revealed unless this woman shared her own peace. And so it's really just um, about bringing us together to do the work. It's so simple. And all we have to do is listen and be vulnerable and show up. Exactly. We're encouraging uh, each other to be authentic by being demonstrators of that authenticity as well. And we're also normalizing that kind of conversation. So um, yeah, we're definitely going to go deeper in the second hour. So we're going to talk about really more personal experiences that maybe we couldn't share on the first hour. We also want to talk about how this really leads into like this, what I like to call the trauma installment program and how it relates to these past lives of occult rituals and sex magic and ancient Egypt and the priestess initiation. But the crazy thing is, is like these alien quote unquote gods thousands of years ago, they're actually the cause of this end game, this transhumanism end game that we're seeing now. So this all links together. And for some people, this may sound like out of a sci-fi movie, but I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you're you kind of understand what I'm talking about. And so this is this ancient distortion of our womb wisdom and creative power. And also what we're trying to do is we're trying to birth a new feminine. So this is going to be a feminine we definitely haven't seen before because we also live in whole new times of spiritual awakening. So if you are a woman and you'd like to sign up, um, we're going to leave the link to um, the course in the show notes. I'm also going to have it up on the menu bar of my website at lauramatsu.com. So especially women who have a difficult relationship with their mother, their grandmothers, female friends, and just being a woman in general, this course is for you and anyone who's had uh, experience of sexual, physical, psychological, emotional abuse, who feels uncomfortable with their body and sexuality and really wants to get in tune with their creative power again and doesn't, and feels like they need to make themselves small around others and wants to really be who they truly are. We're creating this container in this community so we can create, uh, we, we basically normalize a new way of being. So that's what we're trying to create and the journey we're trying to, um, 
we're trying to build for people. So it's basically going to be like a heroine's journey slash like mystery school where we combine all of our teachings and all of our knowledge and also inviting knowledge of other women. So it's not about us also teaching you. It's about teaching a community where we teach each other and we learn from each other as well. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And if you, um, if you have a membership on the Veil of Reality Forum, then please listen to the second hour and we're going to also have a discussion there. So hope to see you there. 